Turn to me to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, 22 to 23. I'm going to continue talking about becoming a kingdom-focused Christian. And in today's message, I would like us to be aware of the kingdom of God, what it means, how it comes. So that by the end, all of us will be aware of the power and the influence we possess as the body. Christ as believers, and also understand our responsibility to be carriers of the kingdom of God wherever we are. Luke chapter 12, verse 22. Then he said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them, of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, or you of little faith? And do not seek what you should eat, or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Here Jesus is talking about two kinds of life. The first is the material life. What will we eat? What will we drink? We're concerned about our jobs. We're concerned about the careers. We're concerned about how we'll make a living, how we will retire. That is what we mean by economical, physical, material well-being. And Jesus says, the people of the world are after these things. And it's understandable because that is what we see. That is what we feel. That is what we sense in the physical the material and the physical, and so that is what we seek for. Now, Jesus also says that your Father knows that you need these things. In other words, as long as you are here on this earth, these things are important. Your Father knows these things, but there is another life. And Jesus says, that is the kingdom of God. Can you say the kingdom of God? That's the spiritual life that he's talking about. And in reference, he's saying that it is more important. The kingdom of God is more important. It is more valuable. It is invisible. You cannot see it, but it is real. It is present. And if you will seek it, then all these things will also be added unto you. He's talking about the spiritual life. He's talking about the relationship with God. He's talking about your faith life. And in case we think that it is too hard for a normal human being to attend to the kingdom of God, to experience it, to be in it, Jesus says, do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That means it is God's will for everyone to have the kingdom life, to have the kingdom of God. And when you have the kingdom of God, 
you will also find that your physical and material well-being is also taken care of. So first things first, the kingdom of God. God wants us to be kingdom-focused Christians because therein is the key to our physical and material well-being also. Amen. Now we know that Jesus lived a kingdom-focused life. Everywhere he went, he went preaching the good news of the kingdom. He would say the kingdom of God is at hand. He would heal. He would set free. He would talk about the kingdom of God. In fact, in Acts chapter 1 verse 3, even after he was resurrected for 40 days, he spent time with his disciples. And in those 40 days, what did he talk about? The kingdom of God. He talked about the kingdom of God. 40 days is a long time to be talking about one subject. Jesus was kingdom focused. Because that was his assignment, to bring the kingdom of heaven to the earth. And so when he taught his disciples to pray in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, this is a prayer that people have memorized many times. We say it religiously. When I was in boarding school, when I would be afraid at night, I would quote this by memory. And I know many of us do that too. The Lord's Prayer. But did we ever understand what it means? In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here, Jesus is saying that the focus of our prayer life or our faith life, or in other words, our spiritual life is the kingdom of God. Not only our own material and physical well-being, because many times, those are the main things we pray for. Job, career, money, health. But the focus of our prayer life, the focus of our spiritual life, our faith life is the kingdom of God. And we are to pray, Lord, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is the kingdom? The kingdom is the king's domain, or in other words, the king's realm, the king's authority, the king's will. And so everywhere Jesus went, he spoke about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. In fact, in the gospels, you find the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God phrase in 103 verses. That means Jesus talked about it a lot. He lived from a heaven to earth mentality. He was aware constantly of another world, even though he was in this world. And that is what he imparted into his disciples so that they also, when they went preaching the gospel, they were preaching the gospel of the kingdom and everywhere they went, they were speaking of the kingdom of God. Even as Paul did. See, Jesus is constantly reminding his disciples and us through his word that we are not living in this earth only for this earthly life, for this material and physical life. And he's saying that our life here on this earth will not have meaning until we seek the kingdom of heaven on this earth. It will not have purpose. No matter how accomplished you may be, no matter how rich you may be, no matter how many degrees you may have, you will never achieve 
meaning and purpose in your life here on this earth until you seek the kingdom of God. That is what Jesus is saying. So in teaching his disciples to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, Jesus is saying heaven becomes our model. Our model for life. How am I supposed to live life? Look to your Father in heaven. How am I supposed to be a father to my children? Look to your Father in heaven. How am I supposed to be a wife? Look to heaven. How am I supposed to be a son in my Father's house? Look to heaven. How am I supposed to be a student? How am I supposed to be a businessman? How am I supposed to be a bureaucrat? The model is always heaven. Live from a heaven to earth perspective, a heaven to earth mentality. Amen. That's what Jesus lived with, the principle. In John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus says, and I'm reading from the NLT translation. You can put it up in the NKJV. Jesus explains, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. And we are also sons and daughters of God. Jesus came to model the true Christian life to us. Jesus said, I only look first to heaven. And when I see the father in heaven doing it, I also do it here on the earth. So heaven becomes the model for our personal life, for our how am I to be a human being? Look to heaven. Our marriage, look to heaven. Heaven becomes the model. Can you say amen? Amen. See, Jesus was always aware of another kingdom. In fact, if you look at John chapter, John chapter 5, just a few more verses. I'm sorry, John chapter 6, verse 38. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. I have come down from heaven. That's what Jesus is saying. Wait a minute. He's from Nazareth. He was born in Bethlehem. But Jesus was more aware of His spiritual identity rather than His earthly identity. And so when people came to Him and asked Him, where are you from? He says, I have come down from heaven. And that's why they thought he was mad. Because he was always talking of another world that the people were not aware of. You see, what you are aware of, conscious of all the time, it will manifest in your life. If you are always aware of a tribal identity, a Naga identity, we will produce it wherever we go and we will speak tribalism or we will speak denominationalism and so on. Because that's what we are aware of. But Jesus wants us to live from a kingdom consciousness, not from tribal consciousness, not from earthly consciousness, not from your economic situation consciousness. God wants you to live from a kingdom consciousness. In other words, heaven consciousness. What is God's will in heaven? So that you can live here on the earth in that way. For example, there's no gossip in heaven. Or do you think there is? There's no gossip in heaven. There is no tribalism in heaven. I'm afraid you cannot open your own village in heaven. 
There is no denominationalism in heaven. The Baptists will not have their own church in heaven. The Methodists will not have their own church. The Charismatics will not have their own church. In fact, in heaven, everyone will be a Charismatic. <laughs> because everyone will be full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So there's no division in heaven. There's no judgmentalism in heaven. Amen. So if you are aware of that realm, you will live here on the earth in that consciousness. And that's why everywhere Jesus went, He created little pockets of heaven. For example, look at Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Verse 17. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by. This was in Peter's house, people say, or in a certain house, who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present there in that room to heal them. So everywhere he went, he would create little pockets of heaven. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. Look at Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, verse 53. When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and anchored there. And when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him, ran through the whole surrounding region and began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he was, on the street or in someone's house or maybe in a restaurant, wherever he entered into villages, cities, or the country. Notice, villages, cities, or the country. They laid the sick in the marketplaces. In the marketplaces. In the marketplace. The mall market or supermarket area, wherever. In the marketplaces, busy, noisy, dusty. And begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. So wherever he went, he brought heaven with him. There was a pocket of God's presence and power and love and people experienced the power of God in healing, deliverance. People experienced the love of God in healing. You see, people experienced God wherever Jesus was. Amen. And you know what? Jesus did not do this in the temple. He did not do it in the temple. Because in the religious mindset of the Jews, they expect God to show up in the temple. But Jesus did not do it in the temple. He went out into the darkness of the world. He went into the homes of the tax collectors and the sinners and the prostitutes and He brought heaven, He brought the presence of God into those places. In fact, He brought the kingdom even upon a storm. Amen. Now why it is important for us to understand this is because this is a radical shift from the way God was in the old and the new. Because in the religious tradition of the Jews, Old Testament mindset, the law, the religious tradition of the Hebrew religion 
If you want to meet God, if you want to encounter God, if you want to hear from God, you have to get close to Him by going to the temple. So if you are a Jew and you want to get close to God, if you are from a Gentile country but you want to go close to the God of Israel, you have to leave your town, you have to leave your village, you have to go for miles on a journey and go to Jerusalem. And you have to experience God in Jerusalem through the sacrifices, through the priestly order, through the religious system. Through the religious system. Are you getting it? So the mindset of them at that time, the believers was this. They were religious system focused. They were not kingdom focused. But when Jesus came, He changed the whole thing around. In fact, He came to destroy that tradition in a sense. He fulfilled it so that it was no longer required. Why? Because Jesus did not say, come to the temple to experience God. Jesus went to the people. Are you getting it? He went to the people and He brought God to the people. That must become a focus. That must change our thinking. If we have a mindset even today, that if you want to experience God, you want to know God, you have to come to a temple called the church. You have to come to a religious system called the theologians or the ordained reverence. You have to come to a certain specific place. Then our mind may still be stuck somewhere in that old tradition. Jesus came to turn that around and Jesus went to the people and He brought God to the people. Meaning, God has always wanted to take the kingdom into the world, into the dark places, into places of evil, into places of sin, into places of shame, into places of pain. God wants to go out there. Amen. Look at John chapter 1 verse 14. John chapter 1 verse 14. The Bible says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Talking about God. Logos, the Word became flesh. Jesus became flesh. So the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory. The word dwelt literally is the word tabernacled. Tabernacled. And it's a reference to the tabernacle of Moses, the tabernacle of meeting that we see in the book of Exodus, Deuteronomy, and so on. So the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. What does it mean? Well, Moses was instructed by God to build a tabernacle in the wilderness with specific instructions exactly according to heaven, what he saw when he was up there on Mount Sinai for 40 days. 
in the exact pattern. So he came and built in the exact dimensions, the exact way. There was the altar of sacrifice. There was a bronze lover. Then there was another tent inside the tabernacle. And then that was the holy place where there was the showbread. There was the candle and there was the altar of incense prayer. And then there was another room that was the hot spot of God's presence called the Holy of Holies. So after Moses built the tabernacle, they sacrificed the animals and they dedicated the tabernacle with the blood of animals. And when the tabernacle was built and dedicated, God from heaven came and dwelt in the tabernacle among his people. Did you get it? So here, the scriptures are saying, Jesus became flesh and tabernacled among us. In other words, Jesus brings God to us. Hallelujah. Because the tabernacle brought God to the Israelites. And in a sense, it brought the Israelites to God. So Jesus brings God to the world. Jesus brought God to the household of Matthew, the tax collector. Jesus brought God to the household of Mary. Jesus brought God to the household of the prostitutes, to the household of Zacchaeus. And then people began to run after him because they experienced God wherever he was. It was more than just the healing and the preaching. I believe wherever he was there, there was such a sense of the presence and the love of God that the people were going after him and the religious people, let's say this is a temple, that's where the people are and the people would say, the religious system would say, if you want to experience God, you have to come here. So the people were, in a sense, subject or controlled by the religious system. But when Jesus came, Jesus went out to the people and the people, instead of coming to the temple because they needed God, they were with Jesus. And that is why the religious authorities wanted him dead. He was a threat to the religious system. Amen. When you become a kingdom-focused Christian, you'll have to let go religious thinking. A religious traditional mindset. It has to be removed from the root and the focus has to become kingdom focused Jesus focused hallelujah see here God is showing us that the kingdom is greater than the church the kingdom is greater than the religious system the kingdom is greater than the denomination the kingdom is greater than the forms and the activities and the traditions of Christianity the kingdom is the king and his will that he wants to release on the earth the Bible did not say let your kingdom come your will be done on the church as it is in heaven no let your kingdom come your will be done here on earth means every area of earth as it is in heaven can you say amen See, when we understand this, it is not difficult for us to understand what it means to be a kingdom-focused Christian. It's not difficult for us to understand how to operate in the kingdom, to seek the kingdom, to experience the kingdom, to release the kingdom of God. Let me give a very simple illustration. 
the kingdom of God is God's space. Very easy way to understand it is heaven. But heaven is more than just a place. Heaven is literally where God manifests. Alright? So heaven is God's space. The kingdom of God is God's space. And we have our space. God gave man his space called the earth. And you also have your own space. For example, Sunday is God's space. We give Sunday to God, but Monday is your space, right? Tuesday is your space. And your own bedroom is your space. Your workplace is your space. Your friends is your space. Your, your place where you're studying, we think that's our space. Well, one of the main themes of Scripture is that these two spaces can overlap, can be united. That God's space, heaven, can come into our space and they can dwell in the same place in the same time but in two dimensions that's what it means let your kingdom come let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven and we see that in scripture for example the garden of eden is a place where heaven and earth were in union it was a literal physical place, but was also a place where heaven was manifested till it was separated because of sin. Another place that we see where these two spaces were united was the tabernacle of Moses or the temple of Solomon. When the temple was dedicated, the Bible says the glory of the Lord came and filled the temple. In other words, heaven came, God came and united with that space. Amen. And they were in union. The kingdom had come in the place for that moment. Hallelujah. Now the problem is this. God's space, as we know, is full of love, full of holiness, full of power, full of Himself. Love, justice, and so on. Man's space, our space, is full of sin, full of pain and evil and darkness. So how can these two spaces come together? In the Old Testament, the way that God invaded man's space was through the animal sacrifice. When Moses killed the animals with the blood, dedicated the tabernacle, God came. When Solomon killed thousands of animals and he dedicated the temple, God came. The animal sacrifice always provided a way for God to invade our space. Well, John chapter 1 verse 29 says, Today, Jesus is the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. How does God invade our space today? Jesus. The moment you give your life to Jesus, the moment you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the kingdom of heaven is in you. Heaven invades you. Look at Luke chapter 17, verse 20 to 21. Luke chapter 17, 20 to 21. Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. That means with what you can see, feel or touch. It's not material. It's not physical. Next. 
nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Within you. Your heart is a place where you experience the Spirit. Where you walk in the Spirit. Where you worship God in the Spirit. Where you know the Spirit. Amen. So the moment you accept Jesus Christ, there's an invasion of the kingdom in you. You see, the place where heaven and earth is brought into union is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. And so the way that I can enter into the kingdom of God is Jesus. It's not difficult. It's easy. All you have to do is believe in Jesus. And you are in the kingdom. And the kingdom is in you. Look at Colossians chapter 1. I believe it's verse 12. Colossians chapter 1 verse 12. Verse 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. The moment you believe in Jesus, the kingdom is in you. Not only that, you are in the kingdom. The kingdom of the Son. Amen. Hallelujah. So when we seek Him, we're seeking His will, bowing down to His will. When we are worshiping Him, when we are adoring Him, when we're giving Him thanks, when we're giving Him praise, the kingdom will always manifest. It will show up. In the Old Testament, the tabernacle is a type of Jesus who comes in the flesh. In our day and age, till Jesus comes back again, I believe the kingdom of God is literally Jesus. I mean, the essence of the kingdom of God is really Jesus and His will in the hearts and lives of men manifesting wherever people, His people are. In the future, the Bible says in Revelations that there will be a new Jerusalem that will come down from heaven. Be on the earth. It's in Revelations chapter 21, verse 2. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. So there's going to be a literal union of heaven and earth in the future. When Christ will literally reign on the earth. But that's a different kingdom. That kingdom is not here yet. I believe for what time? It is really the essence of the kingdom that we must focus on is Jesus, the King. His will, His love, His power, His presence, His truth, transforming our lives and transforming communities outside the boundaries of the church. Amen. Hallelujah. God wants us to have this kingdom consciousness so that today we understand that really the heart of God is to extend His kingdom on the earth even today. Just as Jesus did. He went to where people are 
and he created little pockets of heaven wherever he was. The problem was he died and he had to be resurrected and be in heaven. But the amazing wisdom of God was that by Jesus dying and resurrecting and people believing in him, those who believe in him will be recreated into the same image. They will become little Jesuses. All of us are a little Jesus. Can you say amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, you are a little Jesus. Amen. And the purpose of God still stands today. What is that? Let your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. And God still wants us to be Christians who are kingdom focused to understand God has already invaded our space. You carry the kingdom. How does God distribute the kingdom today into the dark places of the world? Through the body of Christ, through you and me. You are a carrier of the kingdom. Paul says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That means inside you, there is heaven. I don't feel like it, Pastor, obviously, because you're not aware of it. You see, what is in you must come out of you. So it's already in you. Are you a believer in, in Jesus? Let me see your hands. Then heaven is in you. Because heaven is the king and his kingdom and his will. Christ lives in you. In other words, heaven is in you. The kingdom of God is in you. Why is it not coming out? Because we are not aware of it. We are not conscious of it. We are more conscious of our physical origins. We are most conscious of our naganess, our tribalness. So that when somebody says something a little bit wrong about us and how we are, what we eat, the naganess comes out. Why? What you are conscious of, you will produce. Amen. Hallelujah. See, what is in us, the kingdom must come out of us so that everywhere you are, your home, your workplace, your hostel, your business, that becomes a pocket of heaven. See, that must be the place. Your business must be the place where people experience God. Your business must be the place where people come to meet God, where people come to know God. Your hostel must be the place where people experience the presence of God, the kingdom. Your office must be the place where people experience the presence of God and the kingdom. How? It'll come out of you. If you understand these four things, number one, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 to 4. Understand this. You have the nature and life of God in you. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, next, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these, the Word of God, your faith in the Word of God, you may be partakers. That means you are a receiver, a partaker of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. These verses mean the nature 
the nature, the very nature of God, which is full of life, which is full of power, which is full of grace and righteousness, the nature of God is in you. It's almost like God took a slice of himself and put it in you. The moment you accepted Christ. It's not just theory. It's not just a theological thought. God literally took a slice of himself and put it in you. It's in your spirit. It's in you. God lives in you. You have the nature of God in you. That means agape is in you. Amen. Can you say amen? When you acknowledge it, it causes it to be released. How do I release what is in me? You need to acknowledge that it is there. By the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you, in Christ Jesus, your faith is made effective. When I was teaching this in the Bible school many years back, certain Mizo student who after receiving all these teachings, he went back home and he began to confess the scriptures I said, confess. You're confessing it not to have it. You're confessing it to acknowledge what you already have. So he began to confess, God lives in me. The Holy Spirit is in me. I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm a temple of God. God lives in me. As he began to confess those scriptures, suddenly he experienced from within the power of God rising up from within his spirit like electricity. And became aware, wait a minute, the power of God is in me. It was always there. But when he acknowledged it, he became aware of it. There's a pastor, his name is Buddy. He took the scriptures about God being in him, the nature of God being in him. And he confessed it for three months every day. God lives in me. Wherever I go, God goes. When I lay hands on the sick, God lays hands on the sick. God lives in me. God lives in me. Christ lives in me. The Holy Spirit is in me. The nature of God is in me. The life of God is in me. He began to confess it and speak it. So much so that he became so aware of God's presence that when he would go into a gas station to go and buy certain things, people around him would begin to manifest demons. He was not a problem. He was so full of God's presence because he was carrying the presence of God because he was aware of what he had within him that the presence of God began to You know, smoke out the rats, smoke out the snakes. Demons began to manifest. He would walk into nursing homes and he would say, as I lay hands, I would see Jesus coming out of me and laying hands. Why? He was aware of what he had. It was not his goodness that produced it. He was only conscious. He was willing to acknowledge God is in me. He was willing to believe the word God lives in me. And he was conscious constantly God lives in me. The kingdom is in me. The life of God is in me. And the more he was aware of it, the more it came out of him. Are you aware God lives in you? God literally dwells in you. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, you are the temple of God. You 
are the temple of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are the temple of God. See, you are the tabernacle of God. And the way God dwells in Kohima is through you. And the way God wants to come through Chanmari Colony is through you. Not faith harvest church, through you. Amen. Number two, you have to be aware of these four things. Number one, that you have the life and nature of God in you. Number two, you have the power of choice. One of the most amazing gifts God has given to man is the ability to choose. The ability to choose. That makes us God-like. All of us have the ability to choose. I would have preferred to use the word faith, but when I say faith, many of you disconnect with me because you think faith is so unattainable. But let me just make it more simple. You have the power to choose. Whenever you choose the kingdom, you're experiencing faith. You're walking in faith. You have the power to choose. In other words, you can choose to forgive or hate. When you choose to forgive, you're releasing the kingdom. You can choose to love or reject. Amen. You can choose to lay hands on the sick or you can choose to ignore it. You can choose to open your mouth and give thanks and praise because when you do that, the presence of God will come and the kingdom will manifest wherever you are. So many times in nursing homes and hospitals, one of the main things that I do when I pray for the sick is not sympathize with them because of the pain, but worship God. Just worship God. Despite what they are going through, despite the pain, despite the grief, despite the discouragement I can sense in that room, I want to focus their mind to Jesus and praise Jesus, worship Him. Come on, let's be God conscious. As we do that, there's a shift in the room. Why? Because earlier there was discouragement, there was a heaviness, but the moment we praise God, the atmosphere changed, heaven came. The presence of God fills the room and suddenly they are able to receive your prayer when you lay hands on them. So we can choose to be discouraged or you can choose to praise. We can choose to complain or we can choose to thank God. They have the power to choose. There are several times I prayed for people when I did not want to. I was so tired. There was nothing within me wanting to bless them. There was no emotional connection with them. It was just a job in a sense. But they asked me for prayer. I said, okay, whatever. Lay hands on them. The moment we laid hands, you have to choose. Suddenly, I would sense the presence of God flowing out of me into them. And I would sense the presence of God ministering to them. I did not feel any desire to do it. I did it simply by choosing to obey the word, lay hands on the sick and pray. And when I did that, heaven came into their lives. The third thing we need to understand is this. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You have the Holy Spirit in you. Every one of you. The Spirit of Christ dwells in you. And if the Spirit of Christ dwells in you, if you will learn to follow the Holy Spirit, if you will learn to yield to the Holy Spirit, He will enable you to release the kingdom wherever you are. And it's not like you cannot because you are not part of the religious system, because I'm not holy enough. So I have to bring him to the church. I have to take them to the prayer house. No, it's not that. God is not bound by religious system anymore. God is not bound by tradition anymore. 
God is not bound by a religious priestly order of reverence anymore. Why? Because Jesus has paid the sacrifice. Jesus is the tabernacle of God. Jesus is all the sacrifices is in Jesus. So if you believe in Him, and if they believe in Jesus, God will show up there. Jesus can take the presence of God anywhere in Kohima. The most dirty, the most shameful, the most sinful places. You go there, Jesus will show up. He will show up there. How, how pastor? When you show up. When you show up. So you being aware that the Holy Spirit is within you, Christ will show up in that place. I remember when I was praying for this brother many years back. He was in a home. They had been drinking and so on. So many times we think, oh, God's never going to show up here. These people were drinking. Why? We're still thinking Old Testament mindset. Right? You have to come. You have to come to the holy place. You have to make yourself clean and come to the temple. Only in this place you can find God. That's what we think. But I was in that home. It was not like a religious environment. There were no angels floating around. There was no one playing piano. It was just kids running around. Somebody was drunk on this side and whatever. But they said, let's pray. The Holy Spirit said, sing this song. So I laid my hands upon him and I sang a song. The moment I sang a song, he began to cry and weep. And he broke down and gave his life to Jesus. Turned around completely. The kingdom came there. Now, I'm not saying the church is not important because it plays the vital role of being the vessel that releases the kingdom into the world. But I'm saying that if we will live with a kingdom consciousness, I tell you, there is a greater spiritual life God has prepared for you. It is exciting, it is powerful, it is full of life, it is full of adventure. And it is not oh, boring church or boring church. No, it's not that. It's not a religious system. It's a relationship with God through Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God. It's a relationship of faith adventures. It's being focused on the King and His will. And that is where you will experience your greatest fulfillments. You will experience your greatest faith victories. You will experience your greatest testimonies. All testimonies, I tell you, are kingdom testimonies. It's not church testimonies. Church testimonies are, I attended every service of every year. Are you excited with that kind of a testimony? It's not very exciting. I mean, we're happy you attend every service, right? But what's a testimony? 
Pastor, I got delivered from demons. That's a kingdom testimony. We, we, we rejoice in that. I got delivered from death. God supernaturally paid off one crow. We get excited with those things, right? Pastor, I sat in the first row my whole life. That's a church testimony. <laughs> I prayed one hour every day of my life. Yeah, but what happened after that one hour? You see, <laughs> the kingdom, the world out there, they want the kingdom. They want the kingdom. They want God. They want life. They want power. And you have the potential to go and distribute it. Why? God created us. God called us. And God has a mission for us. The fourth point is this. God has a mission for you. And that mission is to carry the kingdom wherever you are. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are Jesus. You are Jesus in that place where you are. Amen. And a simple act of obedience, to maybe just pray for someone in school, college, in your workplace, to share the gospel to someone who's riding the same bus with you while you're stuck in traffic jam. That will bring the kingdom there. Oh, thank you, O Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, we praise you. Come to stand to our feet. I want to thank you very much for listening to this message. If you would like to get in touch with us with any prayer requests that we can pray for you, kindly email us at faithharvestnagaland at gmail.com or you can even visit our website faithharvest.in and message us and we will be privileged to get in touch with you. I would also encourage you to consider becoming a partner with us and help us in this vision to take the gospel of Jesus Christ and make it available to all the nations. All the details are available on our website and you can visit that. Thank you very much once again and God bless you.